0: All right, I'll preach. I'll get off. Colossians chapter number 4. I'm glad I'm saved. Amen. And I'm glad that I serve a merciful God and a good God and a great God. I'm glad my salvation ain't based on how I live. It's how he lived. Amen. Amen. I'm saved by his life, not my life. In my opinion, my life wasn't worth saving, but he thought it was. Amen. He came down here and rescued me and saved me, and he's got something he wants to do with me, for me. Amen. Uh, If he didn't want nothing to do with me, why did he create me in the first place? Amen. I was created for his pleasure, wasn't I? You were created for his pleasure, weren't you? Are you doing those things which are pleasing in his sight? He wants you to. He wants to bless you. Amen. He wants to fill your life with more than you can even imagine. God's got to spend half his time trying to get us awake to a place where we're willing to have something to do with Him. Right. Amen. And half the battle for us is to make sure all this junk don't enter in our life to hinder us from having fellowship with yeah. Him. The devil's just throwing stuff at us by the, uh, by the boatloads just trying to give us a bunch of things to just keep us all busy where we can't be of any effect to Him or anybody else. Yeah. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer. And watching the same with thanksgiving with we'll all prayer for, also for us that God would open on us a door of utterance to make the mystery of Christ, to, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I also am in bonds or am also in bonds. Man, I, you need to pray for my reading. Yet I'm always mixing it up. That I, may, that, I may, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Amen. What's that mean to be seasoned with grace or salt? Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Huh? Tasteful. Tasteful. Well, that's pretty good. Tactful, tasteful, but... Salt preserves. Salt preserves. But what's it mean to that grace there? Let your speech be always with grace. Huh? Don't fight, don't bite people's heads off. I was reading Doc's commentary today, and he made a comment about that I never even thought of. (coughs) Let your speech be always with grace. It's not just your attitude and the manner of which you're speaking, but it's the content of what you're speaking. God's riches at Christ's expense. For by grace are you saved through faith, faith, that not of yourselves. Does your conversation always include the free pardon of sin? Does your conversation, when you're dealing with people, always come back to Christ? Amen. And the gospel, and trying to win a sinner to Jesus Christ. Our, Our speech ought to always, amen, be with what? grace. It's not just having grace with people, but it's also speaking about the grace of God with people. Amen? That the, forgive, the grace of God is the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Amen? Our speech, when we deal with people, we ought to always be inclined to, to bring them to Christ and tell them about Christ. And our in our conversation with people ought to have a goal. Amen? Amen? What's the goal? First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 is the goal. What's the goal? First Corinthians what? What is that? I don't hear no pages turning. (laughs) No. When you're dealing with people and you're talking with people, Paul Paul had an interest. Amen? He had one main interest when he's dealing with people. Verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you what? The testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said... When I meet somebody and I talk with them, I want to know one thing. Have you met the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you met the first free pardon of sin? Have you received Him? He is eternal life. He has a plan for you. He'd like to save you and deliver you from hell. Paul had one main concern. I, one thing. Amen. That ought to be our, our goal in conversing with people when we deal with people is to sit back and try to find out if they're saved, if they know anything about Jesus Christ. Amen. Find out where they stand with God. Amen. Maybe you have to see how much you got to pray for them. Maybe witness to them. Knock on their spiritual door. Hey, I'm sitting here in Christ's stead to talk to you about Jesus. Do you know Him? Have you been to Calvary? Have you been born again? We're to be what? Ambassadors. Ambassadors, what else? Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, Gabriel sings a song, amen, Priscilla too, she joins in, Acts 1 verse 8, but ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is what? Come upon you and ye shall be what? Witnesses, witnesses on me both in Jer- Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. You know what we are? witnesses. Let me ask you a question. A witness of what? Salvation. Well, you got to be saved if you're a witness to it. Did the Holy Ghost deal with you? What's your testimony? What's a testimony? A testimony is about where you met Jesus Christ. He came to you whether it's through preaching to the church, whether it's a soul winner, attract somehow God came to you and rested your attention. And when he got a hold of your attention, amen, you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ out of Christ died for our sins. He's buried and he rose again the third day according to scriptures. Amen. And you received Jesus Christ, your Savior. You become a new creature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now that you're a new creature, amen, you're the best one to give witness a testimony about what has happened to you. And how you got saved. Right? right. Yeah. And if you've met the saving grace of God, Amen, you ought to be able to tell somebody how you how Christ or how you came to Christ. Right. Amen. Everybody has supposed to have a testimony. And the thing is, why would you want to put it under a bushel? Right. Why would you want to hide it? Yeah. Why would you want to keep silent about the greatest thing? And the most tragic thing that happens in this life is somebody leaves this world without Jesus Christ. And if you got the remedy, why would you want to withhold that? Right. right. Right? Paul knew that they're going to die without God, they're going to spend a Christless eternity and die and burn in hell forever with everlasting punishment and destruction. Why would he want not why would he not want to tell somebody about that? Why would he want not, why would he want not want somebody to know the most important thing in somebody's life is have you been to Jesus? Have you been to Calvary? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt your sins are forgiven and everything's alright between you and God? Are you trying to work your way into heaven or are you trusting what Christ did? Amen. Paul was worried about that. Right? Not... Amen. For by grace you are saved through faith that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. He was worried about somebody trying to attempt to use religion to get them into heaven and they couldn't make it. They being ignorant of God's righteousness going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves on the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for... Righteous, everyone that believeth. Paul was trying to tell him, hey, you can't work at it, you can't work for it. Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abide forever. He's interested in somebody being born again. Right? I keep trying to quote a verse and I'm stumbling over it. Titus chapter 3. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. You understand? Paul Paul's interested in trying to get somebody saved to, to give up on their religion. Paul said, I profited in the Jews' religion. didn't do me no good that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul was interested in somebody truly getting born again, because Paul was a religious man. He was religious, he was devout. He was killing Christians, thinking he was doing God a favor. And he said, you know what? Religion does you no good. Uh, Living a good, clean, moral life does you no good. Because the bottom line, it'll damn your soul to hell if you try to merit favor with God by your own attempts and your own efforts, your own works, and your own prayers. You must be born again. Amen. Paul was worried about that. And he had a ministry. My heart's desire and prayer, brethren, for Israel is that they might be what? He knew they were lost. He knew they were a bunch of religious people lost. (coughs) Wanted to get them saved. He had a great burden. And Paul said, I want my speech, I want your speech always with grace. Season with salt. What's that mean? I like what Doc said in his commentary. He said this. He said, Bob Jones Sr. said it. He said, He ain't looking for uh, preachers to be sugar sticks. Amen. <laughs> hey we got a bunch of preachers who want to be sugar sticks. Wants everybody to like them and, and, and come chasing them like a piece of candy. He said, We're to be salty, season with salt. You know what that does? It makes people thirsty. And when it gets in the wound, it burns. It stings. I want you to have grace in your speech, but I want you to be salty enough that when it does, when you do get in the door and you're sticking with the Word of God, it stings. But it preserves. It heals. Amen? There's a healing element to it. There's a burning element to it. There's a lasting element to it. When the salt gets in, man, you'll leave an impression on somebody that'll stick. They need to know they're lost. They need to know who told them they was lost. They need to know that God dealt with them about their sin. Right? Listen, it's our responsibility really to flush them out of the bushes. It's an uncomfortable position. But if we're going to be soul winners, real soul winners, witnesses of people, we got to flush them out. And we got to let them know what they're trusting in is going to damn their soul to hell. Amen. Amen. I understand. Listen, what's God want to really deal with in each sinner's life? John sixteen. John sixteen. Verse 7. Nevertheless I tell you the truth, it's expedient that I go away, for if I go not away, the who? The comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of what? Sin righteous judgment. Now can you imagine that? Here comes a comforter, and the first thing the comforter is going to do is make you uncomfortable. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? I'm going to send the comforter. And he's going to reprove the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. You talk about, how, how's that a comfort to somebody that's living, a lost man, living a religious life, and it's going to go to hell. He's got to face God at judgment, got to deal with the sin and righteousness. And the comforter's going to do that? Doesn't that seem funny? The comforter's coming to make you uncomfortable. We got a bunch of preachers telling us we gotta go out and love everybody and we gotta make everybody feel good and we've got to pet their dogs and their cats, amen, and we gotta bless them, and we gotta go and we just gotta make everybody feel good about us. The Holy Ghost is gonna come, he's gonna approve the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse nine of sin, why? Because they believe not on me. The number one thing is are you a believer? Have you put your faith in the finished work of God? Do you believe the book? Do you believe what God said about you? Well, that's a tough thing. Do you believe what God says about hell? Do you believe what God says about your spiritual condition? See, they're in unbelief. The Scripture concluded, Romans chapter 11, I think it's verse 33, all in unbelief. Right? Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 talks about uh, uh, people having an evil heart of unbelief departing from the the Lord. An evil heart of unbelief. What's he say in Revelation 20 verse 8? 21 verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving. Unbelieving. That's what sin is going to damn the soul to hell. Can anybody quote me John John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not a Son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on the Son is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know right? Right? This is the condemnation. Amen? Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. They won't come to the light. Why? Lest their deeds be reproved. Amen. They don't want to see where they're at. They don't want nobody to come and turn the light on and say, right there, there's your problem. You know what's the problem is? What? You don't believe the book. Well, I believe the Bible, really, according to the Scriptures. Are you saved according to the Scriptures? See, that's where the rubber meets the road. The average Christian don't know enough about the Scriptures to find out if somebody knows enough about the Scriptures and try to get somebody lost. Well, all you've got to do is argue. No, I'm not trying to argue. Let's look at Acts 17. Acts 19. See, everybody says that, you know, you ought not debate with somebody. He says in Acts 19, verse 9. Well, verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the great the space of what? Three months. Three months. And what was he doing? Disputing and, persuading. disputing and persuading things concerning the kingdom of God. And when divers were hardened and believed not, spake evil of that way, the multitude departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing what? Daily. Daily in the school of one Tyrannus. You know what Paul did? He disputed He got up there, and he went head-to-head with them. And a bunch of them were hardened and believed not. See there? Apostle Paul damned a bunch of souls to hell. How dare he get out there and argue with everybody about the Bible? That's why I hate about church. That's why I don't go to church, because everybody just wants to argue. And see, if Paul had just kept his mouth shut, maybe somebody would have just come to Jesus if they'd have found a great big sugar stick like me. Instead, he's out there and he's arguing. He's damning people. He's pushing people to hell how dare you say something against their religion that's what you preacher every time you get around somebody you just talk about their religion you make people feel bad you push them away they harden their heart see well I'm a Pauline Christian I believe in disputing I believe in if they're they're trusting something that's wrong I believe in showing them that they need to trust Jesus Christ they need to put their faith in Him. If they're trusting their water baptism, I believe it's my responsibility to show them water can't save them. Amen. If they're trusting, trying to keep the commandments, i got to show them that keeping the commandments cannot save them. Amen. i got to show them, i got to contend with them. Yep. Jude said, earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Amen. It's my responsibility. I'm a head button preacher. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. People don't like it, but you've got to crack some of these nuts. Hello? Amen. Hey, Amen. They got. You talk about a numb skull. There's some of them numb, I'm telling you. Amen. They're blind. Right? You start dealing with some of these Acts 2.38 people, man. Amen. It's just like their uh, foot's nailed to the ground. They spin in circles. They just, they, they, you can show them the Bible and show them the Bible, and they just go in circles. They don't want to believe it. But it's my responsibility to shake it up. It's my responsibility to stick them with the sword. It's your responsibility as a child of God to, to take away what they're trusting in unless it's trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You understand? They they disputed how long. Daily, and look what happened. They they disputed daily in the school of one Tyrannus, right? And this continued by the space of what? Two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> oh, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do battle for Jesus. Acts seventeen. Acts 17, verse 1. Now when they passed through Amphipolis Ph- Ph- and Apollyanna, or Apollyanna, uh, they came to Thessalonica, which was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in on them. Amen. And three Sabbath days reasoned with them how. Uh, the Scriptures, opening the legend that Christ must needs have suffered. You know what he did? He opened up the book. It's right there, buddy. Read it, right there. Read it, read it, read it. He made him. He went with the scripture and said, "Look at it." Men want to criticize me for opening up the book to make sure a man puts his faith in the whole in God instead of some experience. You better know what you believe. Amen. I want somebody to know who they're receiving and who they're trusting because there's so many people out there believing the wrong thing. I want them to see what the scripture says and put their faith in what the scripture says. Hello. Amen. Look what happens. Opening, alleging that they must needs suffered and risen from the dead. Amen. That this Jesus whom I preach unto you is who? Christ. And some believed and consorted with Paul. Right? Verse 5. And Jews which what? Believe not, move them. Listen, some people believed, some people didn't. Paul shoved them one way or the other. He shoved them straight to hell or he shoved them straight to heaven. He said, you either or out. You either get right or get left. You either get saved get born again or die and go to hell. Paul was drawing a line, making people make a decision. You know what they don't want? They don't want preachers to make people make decisions. Amen. You say, well, you talked them into it. Paul's talking them into it. Paul's talking them out of it too. <laughs> yep. Amen. Verse 16. Now, while uh, Paul waited at Athens, his what? Spirit. His spirit stirred him. Some people say, you can't witness till the Holy Ghost moves on you. It was his spirit that was stirred. Why was his spirit stirred when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry? Therefore, disputed he where? In the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace when? Daily, them that met with him. You know what he did? He went out to see somebody, listen to him, talk to him about God. He challenged them. He went to the religious people. Say, hey, bud, are you saved? Are you born again? Washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. Amen. Paul, Paul was letting them have it. Sure. He, he, he wasn't afraid to get out there and tell them about God. He wasn't afraid to take them on. Amen. You know what your speech needs to be seasoned with? salt and always with grace amen you, you, need to, you need to always be looking for an opportunity to tell somebody about God tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and how you come to know him amen so what's that mean you need to get you about 10 or 20 verses of scripture to know what you believe so you can open up the door and at least get the scripture in i tell you one some of the best ones Romans 10 verses 3 and 4 a lot of people want to sit back and say, well, I ain't Roman 10 and 9 in it. Well, you can do whatever you want to do, but that's what it says for Gentiles to get saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart, God risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth on rations, righteous, the mouth confesses made on salvation. For the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed for the same Lord over all is rich and all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved, but I, have a, I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They're ignorant. They're blind. And he said, they going about to establish their own righteousness. That's a religion of do. What religion are you? Do you going about to establish your own righteousness. You're trusting in your own goodness, your baptism, your gifts, your works, your tongues, your whatever. Is that what you're trusting in? They being in the name of God's righteousness, going about to establish your own righteousness and not submitting themselves unto righteous. righteous God. There's a difference right there in that verse, real simple. The difference between God's righteousness and man's righteousness. Pretty simple, ain't it? The whole book of Romans is written about that. battle on your righteousness versus God's righteousness. What are you going to trust? What you've done or what he's done? Because verse 4, Christ is the end of the law for righteous to everyone that believeth. It's done. It's finished. Are you trusting the finished word of Christ? Or are you trusting what you do? Do and done. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to know Romans 3, 10, and 4, or 10, 3, and 4. Pretty simple, isn't it? Let's go to Romans 10. Just trying to tell you how to tell people to get saved. Go through the book of Romans. Mark down every verse that shows righteousness. We just quoted this. They have a zeal of God, according not, but not according to knowledge. Verse 3. they being in the of God's righteous, going about to establish their own righteousness, and not spend themselves on righteousness of God. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteous. Everyone that believe it. That's done. Do and done. Verse 5. For Moses described the righteousness, which is of the law, that if a man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is... Of faith. See, you got Old Testament law. You better do what the Old Testament law says. According to James two ten, anybody know what it says? If you, point, if you offend at one point, you're guilty of all. What the law? If you offend in one place, you're guilty of it all. So you got to be able to show a sinner that. According to that, look at that. You're trying to keep the Old Testament law. You're trying to keep the Ten Commandments. Do you keep it always, or do you offend in one place? Do you offend in one place? You're guilty. You're a transgressor. You're going to go to hell, bud. Your religion is faultful, faultful full fault. If you're trying to keep the Ten Commandments, to get to heaven. You mess up in one spot, one time, it's over with. God don't care how much righteousness you've done. If you've fainted one place, it's all it takes. And I can show you according to James chapter 2, you done it. If you have respect to persons, done, <laughs> over with. Everybody's got respect to persons. They respect their children more than they respect mine. They respect their family more than they respect mine. They respect their cars more than they respect mine. Amen. Listen, they respect. Therefore, they made themselves transgressors, according to James chapter number 2. But we're dealing with Old Testament righteousness versus verse 6, New Testament righteousness. Right? Look at it. He's dealing with righteousness. But the righteous which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in the heart. Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from he- above. Or who shall descend into deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what sayeth that? The word is nigh thee, and in thy heart, and in thy mouth. That is the word of faith which we... Show somebody that verse right there. So you want to see how close you are to getting to heaven? Say what? Yeah, try it. Try it on Mark. Caleb, try it on Mark. Sit back and say, you want to know how close you are to getting saved? You want to know how far God went to get you saved, Mark? How far is that, Caleb? He put the word in your mouth and he put it in your heart. It's on the tip of your tongue. Go to the mirror and look. See if it's on there. God put the word of faith on the tip of your tongue so you can spit it out. He put it in your heart. It's already there in your heart. All you got to do is trust him. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe and confess with thy mouth. What if thou shalt confess? With my, let's read verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart God raised him from the dead thou shalt be safe for with the heart man believeth what? Unto righteousness. It's where you place your faith for your righteousness. Are you going to place your faith in the things that you do for righteousness or are you going to place your faith in the things that Jesus Christ did for your righteousness? It all depends on where you want to place your faith. You going to place it in what you do or what he's done? Simple. See, that's how simple faith is. That's how simple salvation is. And if you're willing to place salvation on the finished work of Christ, okay, then receive Him. Don't just acknowledge the facts. Receive Him. Get down and tr- call upon Him like He says in verse 13 and trust what He did. Tell Him that. Cry out right now. The best way you know how is that God, I'm ceasing to trust my goodness and my righteousness and I take the righteousness of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Try that and see what happens. That ain't no sinner's prayer you ever read. Every one of them tells you you've got to do all this theological stuff, but according to the passage, we're dealing with righteousness. Context is righteousness. Man's righteousness versus God's righteousness. That's what Romans 3 is about. Jesus is the righteousness of God. And you receive Him, you get all His righteousness. Isaiah 64, 6. All Our righteousness says, plural, is nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. Amen? The best we can be is just a bucket of filthy rags. See, that's the issue. That's what we're dealing with. That's what Romans 10 is dealing with. That's where Paul butted heads with them. We're dealing with righteousness. You go through the whole book, it's righteous, righteous, righteous. Watch this, verse 14. How, should, how then shall they believe on him whom they've not what? How should they call upon him whom they've not believed? How should they believe in him whom they've not heard? How should they hear without a preacher? preacher? Think about that thing for a while. A world without a preacher. Huh? Let me ask you a question. This book get any good sitting there? No. This book any good like that? No it's closer to being good but that book ain't any good until somebody reads it Right. and it's even better when somebody says it yes. verse 17 so then faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God somebody's he, God needs a, a voice John the Baptist said I'm a voice a one crying in the wilderness God needs a voice look at what he says how that, shall they preach except they be sent let me ask you are you sendable? Are you sendable? Are you dependable? <laughs> Are you reliable? Are you willing to be sent? Have you ever volunteered to God and said, God, they're dying without you and they're not, they're, they're not born again and they're not saved? God, here am I. Send me. I'll take the gospel to them. I'll tell them. I'll be a voice for you, God. Something to think about, ain't it? How shall they preach except to be saved? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach. Amen. Them that preach the gospel of peace. Isn't that something? Here we got a comforter coming to make people uncomfortable. Now we got a preacher coming to preach peace. And when he's on the doorsteps, it turns into war. (laughs) You talk about, you talk about, man, you go, man, you get people mad. If they had, if you, you had a match, you'd light them. They'd fly to the moon, man. They're so mad, right? I mean, you get in, and you begin to show them their righteousness is God not going to do the job, man. You get them mad, and you don't. You're you're not bringing peace at that point. You're making them mad. I had a guy get off the bed one day and put his nose to my nose, and if it hadn't been for a guy six foot seven, two hundred eighty-five pounds standing next to me, that guy would have thumped me. I said something that just offended him got all over him amen I guarantee you he never forgot that conversation I ain't ever forgot it sometimes you got to say some things that's unpalatable they cannot they cannot handle what's said but you got to say it you can't hold back you can't have mercy sometimes when you're preaching I'm not talking about being ugly I'm talking to be factual and truthful and when you're doing heart surgery you got to get to the heart amen yes I am bringing the gospel of peace but there is war there's a war between you and the devil and God and the devil and that sinner. And you must go do battle for the Lord. You must not hold back using the sword to draw blood. Cursed be he that do the work of the Lord deceitfully. Cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood. Right. And you got to draw blood, man. It, oh, I hate it. Oh, I get squeamish sometimes. Sometimes I want to hold back, but you got to go... And then the Lord said, twist it, and you gotta go, that's hard. Yeah. Especially when it's people you love and you care about. Amen. And sometimes we just haul back, we just hold off from inflicting any spiritual pain. We gotta be able to speak the truth in love, and we gotta be able to do it to where those people can lose sleep at night. Amen. I want to affect their conscience. I want them their conscience to be disturbed. Right. Amen. I don't want them to have a good night's sleep. I want them to lose sleep. I want them to dream about going to hell and dying and burning in hell. I want them to dream about a man hanging and bleeding on a tree, beaten beyond recognition, hanging naked there dying for them. I want them to hear, Father, forgive them! And let them see why he died on that tree. He took their place. He was publicly executed for their sins. You understand? It was their sins he hung and died on that cross. They should have been nailed to it. They should have been beaten beyond recognition unmercifully because they're liars. They're vile. They're wretched. They're deceitful. They're corrupt. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. See, that's where the peace comes in. You can't have peace until the war's over, and you can't have the war over until you accept what God said about you, according to the scriptures, and you admit what you deserve, and then receive whom one that gave you the substitutionary death atonement. Look at what it says. How should they preach? Except to be saying that. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring what? Glad tidings, good things. we got preachers trying to bring the gospel without dealing with sin. You want to go to heaven? God loves you. Just say these magical words and you can go to heaven. And never deal with sin. They're corrupt. They're vile. They're wretched. They're devils. You must make a man deal with his sin. That's what Christ died for. Yeah. It's more than just going to a pearly gate and getting you a golden mansion with walls of jasper. It's more than just going to see the king and going on a pony ride. Hello. Amen. Hey, man. They gotta understand that they got a spiritual cancer that's killing them and damning their soul to hell. And the only hope is to take the chemotherapy, which is the blood of Christ. Yeah. But they but they have not all obeyed what? You gotta obey the gospel. What's obeying the gospel mean? It's not getting baptized. It's exercising faith in the gospel. From the heart, you obeyed. That form of doctrine is delivered unto you. It's from the heart. You must place faith in the facts that you hear about. You must receive the Christ that died on that tree. You must exercise faith in him by receiving him and confessing him. You said you don't have to confess him to get saved. Verse 9, thou shalt what? Confess with well, thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Verse 11. Scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall what? Did you take him? Did he save you? Then confess him. <laughs> that's, a, that's the rub. You mean i got to stand up in front of everybody? Why not? He wasn't ashamed to hang naked for you. He wasn't ashamed to take your place. What are you going to be ashamed of him for? Well, I don't like crowds. It don't matter if you like crowds. I believe you get saved. You'll tell somebody about it. You won't be able to hide it. I believe your little bushel basket'll burn up. Amen. But they not have obeyed. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah saith, "Lord, who hath what believed our report? To obey the gospels, to believe the report, and exercise faith in Christ." Amen. So then, faith cometh how? Hearing and hearing by the word. Listen. That's how simple it is. But our conversations needs to always be with grace. Amen. Seasoned with salt that'll sting. It get in there. It'll do something. Make people thirsty. Amen. A beer, uh, a beer salesman down there at the ball games pass out peanuts. Get you good and thirsty. And then come down there, cold beer here. And then people starting to buy beer left and right normally didn't want to buy a beer. And they start paying three, four, five bucks for a cup They normally wouldn't pay because they're thirsty. You got to salt them down. Amen, it's our responsibility to salt them down. It's our responsibility to yeah. spread the word. Yeah. Amen, get them thirsty. Yeah, you need to hear about the good things of God. Man, i tell you, bud, I was a lost sinner on my way to hell. Did I ever tell you about that? <laughs> so what? Yeah, man, I was a wretch. Man, I was, I was going to hell. I was going to burn. God was so mad at me. He was ready to plunge me off into belly hell. And I heard a voice and told me about a lamb dying in my place as my substitute. Shed his blood for me that I might live forever. And I received him. And, friend, I got life. You can have life, too, if you trust him. But you got to admit what you are and why that. Amen. I'll tell you what <laughs> hey guy you're you're a nut amen huh hey, amen look at that guy over there he's a fanatic amen. I'm a fanatic I'm a Jesus fan amen. people are Buckeye fans people are Bengals fans right people are Browns fans yeah. hello people are cavalier fans I'm a Jesus fan yeah, yeah. I'm a fanatic for God amen, amen. People don't like religious fanatics. You know why? It unnerves them. It upsets them. They're hiding in their religion real comfortable. And when you come up, you kind of mess everything up. Amen? You you're, you're God. You want to be one of God's flashlights? Walks up somebody, click, <laughs> shine the light in on them. That's what he does. I want to be used by God to turn the lights on. Help, reach sinners. Say, well, preacher, you push them away. Maybe I do. Paul pushed them away. Paul debated. Paul butted heads. I'm a ram, right? Little sheep, male ram. Amen. Head butter. Right? Let's go crack some skulls for Jesus. Amen. <laughs> hey, Amen. It's a little hard preaching, ain't it? But that's the reality of it. Sometimes you got a ram, pretty good. Are you ram tough? Hey, Amen. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Amen. I've done I've gone head to head battles with some folks. They're they're steeped in their religion, man. Sometimes you gotta do some jackhammering. What's what's Jeremiah twenty three, verse twenty nine say? What verse? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. My word is like a hammer. A hammer. You got to swing the old 1611 sledge amen and it said you know what it'll do to break the rocks yeah he said it's not my word like a fire and'll melt them ice cubes them cold cold calloused hearts the word of God to get in there begin to warm their heart melt that ice. Amen. You keep swinging that 1611 sledge. Amen. And let that 1611 sledge just keep coming down on that old callous, hard, stony heart. Amen. And God can put a crack in that thing, get some water down in there. Let the seed of the Word of God get down in there. You ever see grass grow and flowers and weeds grow up through the asphalt and the concrete? Amen. It got cracked and water got down in there and that thing shot up through that hard callous place. That's what the Word of God will do, to crack the concrete, amen, and let the light in and let the uh, water in, amen, that they might wind up grow and bring some fruit in a hard place. I like it. Father, we do love you. Thank you for Paul.